Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover, all for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5,000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5,000. Enjoy! Thanks for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. My name is Steve Jodorand. And my name is Jake Watroba. And listeners, on today's episode, David Beckham's club is in the news again. A footballer storms the stands. And Matt Doyle from MLSsoccer.com joins us to chat all things MLS. Listeners, if you haven't done so, please make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at UncSamSoccerPod. Please send in your feedback and thoughts. We always enjoy hearing from you. Now, let's get to today's show. What's going on, Steven? How you doing? Hey, uh... You a little more nervous about the coronavirus after the no. news from Italy? That you you sent me a text message about the coronavirus, Jake. And what was in that text message? Uh, I believe it said we are that they are uh, every match is going to be behind closed doors for the next month. Told you, told you it's a worrying thing. In Switzerland, they canceled several weeks of soccer games. Just out outright canceled. The boogeyman. I'm not afraid of the boogeyman. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. All I'm saying is pay attention to the news. You don't need to go freaking build a bomb shelter. Just pay attention. Wash your hands. You should wash your hands regardless of if there's a a mass breakout. Yeah, especially especially all those disgusting people who don't wash their hands after using the bathroom. It shouldn't take it shouldn't take a, a a worldwide. Uh, viral viral outbreak of this disease or whatever, virus or whatever you want to call it for uh, people to wash their hands. If did you if if you go to the bathroom, you should just wash your hands. Did That's you just yeah? Well, did you see in China? Uh, it's a TikTok of people of not wanting to shake hands with people. So do you see how they're like introducing each other? Uh, elbows, I'm guessing. I don't no, know. How no, they're no, no. Their foot foot taps. Huh. That's okay. Here, 
for people who are so concerned about coronavirus that go out um, and wear the surgical mask around their face, if if you are that afraid that you are wearing a surgical mask, maybe you just shouldn't leave the house. Oh boy, I'm ju- I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I saw it last night at a bar. I thought, okay, if you were that concerned, maybe wait, wait, don't wait, wait. Somebody wore a mask to the bar. Yes, someone was so wearing a, a, a sip, surgical mask at the bar. Every time you sip your beer, your wine, your liquor, you have to remove uh, remove the mask. I guess, or maybe they're maybe they're the sober driver. I don't know. I saw it last night. Uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday. Saw it last night, and it. Uh, I just thought, if you're so concerned about it, maybe you don't go out in public hey, well, with uh, large gatherings of people. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, we we don't know the entire situation, but that's a bit odd. And uh, Jake, let's get into it. There is some interesting and fun news midweek, as we were kind of just going through the headlines. Quite a bit of uh, some some hot news. There are, uh, there is rather, and I wanted to get your take on this because you're the uh, the resident Swiss fan, Swiss men's national team fan on this podcast. <laughs> the is- Switzerland uh, drew into a group with Spain, Germany, and Ukraine in the nations league are you nervous are you excited how are we feeling about going up against spain germany and ukraine um i am i'm very nervous but this is the beauty of this competition i know everybody when it first came out we kind of ragged on it but this is fantastic this is iron grinding up against iron the best teams in europe competing for not a significant trophy but still cristiano ronaldo had has lifted this trophy. There is now some sort of prestigious sentiment associated with this tournament, with this competition. It's going to make teams better. It's going to leave behind your United States, Jake. You have to figure out a Nations League concept with Conable. If not, you, you, the United States, are going to be left behind. Uh, You don't think playing against... Teams like Haiti or Cuba is going to make the U.S. better. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I tend, I tend to, I tend to agree actually with you. I'm the just, other uh... groups. I just want to mention the other groups: Holland, Italy, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Poland. That's Group A one. Group A two is England, Belgium, Denmark, Iceland. Group A three is Portugal, France, Sweden, Croatia, and then the group of death is A four, which are uh, which com- is composed of Switzerland, Spain, Ukraine, and Germany. So. Lots of, lots of juice there. Can't wait. Genuinely excited for the games. Now, will they be played with the uh, corona out, <laughs> coronavirus? <laughs> we got to worry. We have to worry about the European Championships first. And the last thing, uh, last thing I saw about the Olympics is they might postpone it an entire year. I didn't see that. I thought I just saw they were gonna just outright just cancel it. We'll you know, just screw oh, it. We'll go to we'll go to twenty twenty four. Well, or what? Whatever. When? It, yeah, twenty twenty four. Yeah, screw it. Oh, I didn't see wait, that. We'll wait until then. Maybe, but no, maybe years more recent. I'm not sure. Uh, I also don't really care that much for the Olympics, so it doesn't, at least the Summer Olympics. Yeah, so. hey, uh, Jake, Monterey files a complaint with FIFA against David Beckham and Inter Miami. Reading from uh, ESPN, quote, The complaint stems from last month's prolonged transfer saga that c- concluded when Pizarro joined the MLS expansion side, co-owned by David Beckham. Monterey claimed that Miami broke FIFA rules when Beckham enticed Pizarro to join the club via video calls while you're still in a contract with the Mexican club, end quote. So this sounds like tampering. And uh, don't forget, Inter Miami faces 
name change after legal battle with Internacional. Like, <laughs> welcome to uh, welcome to Major League Soccer, David Beckham. You cannot do whatever you want. I, uh, I'm impressed that you called Inter Milan Internacional. By the way, I actually can't say it the Italian way. I can only say it the Spanish the <laughs> the Spanish way. Um, just just you know, hat tip to you. Oh, thank uh, you. Yeah, Inter Miami is kind of a like in a way they're a little bit of a dumpster fire with the way they're in the headlines for the wrong reasons, right? Right. Yeah. 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 You're that's a, it's a strange dumpster fire because they put they put a stadium together and it's not ugly. Okay. I, I like the pink but and the it's, white. It's also, it's also I like their kids. 45 minutes outside of Miami, though. Okay, that's, the, yeah, that's well, kind of the issue it with to, it. Sure. I like off-white with the pink. I think that looked pretty good against LAFC. I wish they should have just gone all-out pink. They should have just been the pink club because I would uh, I definitely would buy a jersey with Inter-Miami on it. David Beckham, he's a superstar. He's a global superstar, not only in the in the sport, but just as an icon. But then you have Inter Miami, and it's just yeah, it's it's a strange dumpster fire you got down there. Yeah, and it, like like and, and it's strange. It's such a good word because you know whether it's six months or a year from now, you know they're probably going to land a megastar too. So we're going to forget about all these these hiccups or, or road bumps, if you will, for this club when they go and land. Uh, you know. I don't want to say Messi or Ronaldo, but you know they're going to get a star. You know they're going to get somebody bigger than Pizarro. That's that, that's not the marquee signing. There's somebody what you, bigger. What would you rename Miami if they have to if they lose this uh, legal battle with Inter? Why not just call? Uh, if you can figure out a way to not get sued for calling it Vice City FC, that's what I would do. Why? Why always the city? Why don't you just say Vice FC or Vice United? No, I don't know. Just. just... Or call it my yeah you can't call it Miami Vice that's FC uh, but you I don't know uh, I don't know Vice City sounds right I think that's maybe that's a Grand Theft Auto reference or something like that but that something like that I don't know I uh, maybe call it Atletico Miami or something like that if you want to keep it oh I like that that's, that has a sexy name Atletico Miami Deep, Deportivo Miami or something like that yeah but then you lose I, I guarantee you'd be sued over that too what's the difference between Atletico Miami and Internacional Miami. I mean, you know. Was well, Atletico Bilbao, uh, Bilbao, Atletico Madrid. I don't think you could get sued over Atletico as you, like you would with Inter. Maybe. But maybe. Hey, uh, Timmy Howard, 40 years old, comes back out of retirement to play for the club he co-owns, Memphis 901 in the USL Championship. Since my retirement in October, my obsession for football has grown, he said. The desire to win continues to drive me. I love to play and I love to compete. This gives me the opportunity to do both. PR move. That's what it feels like, doesn't it? Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. All right. Lastly, the most exciting news I had all week. The Chicago Fire announced earlier this week that NBC's Arlo White, Tony Miola, and Tyler Terrence are set to commentate 20 four Chicago Fire matches this season. Now, Stephen, pre-show, we talked about this. You are very excited uh, about Arlo White Hell yeah. this is commentating Chicago it. Fire. This is great. I'm watching every Chicago Fire game with uh, Arlo White. This is your Tony Romo-like thing you were this talking about. This is fantastic. This is a great move from Chicago Fire. This is press. This is club. This is good press. This is going to attract eyes and ears. 
Why? Because Arlo White is the soccer guy regarding the Premier League here in the United States. You are familiar with his voice. You know what you're going to get. Commentators don't necessarily sway a lot of people when it comes to watching, but it does pull you in more. Think about it. If you're watching the NFL and you had Tony Romo versus Joe Slope from whatever network, you're more you're more inclined oh. to watch Tony Romo calling a neutral side game that you have no interest in the players. You don't play fantasy football, but because it's Tony Romo, you are intrigued to hear him call the game. Why? Because you learn from learn from him. Now, Arlo White is not the uh, color commentator, but still, you like what Arlo White brings to the table. Like you said, his voice is synonymous with soccer in America, which is kind of ironic because he doesn't really call American soccer. He's the Premier League, but... Uh, yeah, he has that voice you hear, and it just feels like, hey, big time soccer's here. Arlo White's on the call, so I'm excited about it too. Hopefully, uh, hopefully they are on ESPN Plus quite a bit. Aren't they all on ESPN Plus apart from the national uh, televised games? Well, I'm not sure how ESPN. Well, you, you, you might get the other team's broadcast crew, so I'm not sure how they determine that. But hopefully, we get a lot, uh, a lot of Arlo White. Coming up next, we are joined by Matt Doyle of MLSsoccer.com. We're going to talk all things MLS. You know him, it's Matt Doyle from MLSsoccer.com. You can follow him at MattDoyle76. Matt, how are you doing? Welcome to the program. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Good to be on. One week in MLS, and uh, what is your biggest takeaway, or what is your overreaction from the opening weekend, this past weekend? Uh, I mean, it's two different things, right? The biggest takeaway is that it feels like Atlanta's season ended. Um, they are not contenders without Joseph Martinez. I, I question whether they're even going to be a playoff team without Joseph Martinez, which I guess maybe could be the overreaction. But if you think about what happened to this group last year, they were kind of miserable through the first half of the season. Um, and it looked like the team was falling apart. And then Joseph said, screw this. And he picked them up and put them on his shoulders and scored his 15 straight games. The men scored in 15 straight games. Um, and there's no replacing that. Adam John's a nice USL player, but the, the gap between nice USL player and Joseph Martinez is massive. And beyond that, it's just like he, he's the heart and the soul and the leadership and the toughness of Atlanta United. Um, this is, this is the, like they've, they lost Tata Martino, who is a world-class coach, and that was a huge bump for them. And they, you know, they sold Miguel Almiron. Who, you see what he's doing now in the Premier League, and that's a huge test for a club to replace a player like that. This is bigger than either of those things. A week into the season, how do you replace the best forward in MLS history? Um, with everything else that's happened in week one, it was a great week one, frankly. Um, that overshadows all of it. So, so Matt, do you foresee them addressing 
the striker position before the window closes uh, in a few weeks here? I mean, at the very least, they'll they'll add some sort of depth depth behind Adam John, um, or maybe someone who could you know challenge him and, and beat him out for the job. It's not clear how much cap space they have. Um, they're committed to well. It seems like they're committed to signing Jurgen Dom, who's not going to be cheap this summer, and Dom is a, is a right wing back. So I, I'm not sure what kind of flexibility they have. But remember, last year the Galaxy lost a, a DP for the year in Roman Alessandrini, and they were still able to go out and get Christian Pavone on a non-DP deal. And the key to that was, okay, he's a $20 million player, but they got him on a free loan because Boca Juniors just wanted to be rid of him. And all that L.A. was on the hook for was his salary, which is, I think, about $700,000 a year. Between their cap space and their allocation money, they were able to fit Christian Pavone onto that team. Now, maybe Atlanta have some sort of ability to do that. Um, The question is, who would it be? And whoever it is, like there's almost zero chance it's going to be as good a player as as Joseph Martinez is. So we all know Atlanta going to the season was one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. But now that Atlanta loses the best player in Major League Soccer at the moment, this opens up the Eastern Conference. So what teams do you reckon could use could you know build some momentum here in the early part of the season now that Atlanta is down their star player? I, I think whether or not Joseph was going to be there, it, like it was going to be kind of a race at the top of the Eastern Conference. I, I have, you know, Toronto up there as well, especially because they don't have to worry about CCL to start the season. Um, NYCFC, even though they do have CCL, they brought back their top thirteen or fourteen players from last year, and they added a couple of nice pieces as well. This is a sixty-four point team, so like they should be there as well. Um, Columbus has an argument. Uh, those are probably the ones besides Atlanta. And certainly all three of those teams. Now I have ahead of Atlanta, maybe a couple others as well, but uh, you know, there are questions with, with Toronto. It's always going to be injury and health. You know, Josie Altador never plays more than 2000 minutes. Michael Bradley's already out. Um, their other DP is already out. So you know, with NYCFC, they have CCL. They also have a new manager. You don't know if Ronnie Dyla's tactics are going to stand up. So it does kind of leave everything open. And, hey, that's kind of the nature of MLS. It's a league full of surprises. Yeah, no kidding. I think uh, you're spot on with NYCFC. I mean, historically, right, the, the several seasons that have been in the league, they've always performed well in the regular season. Obviously, it's the playoffs performance that has been really the big problem but what about Montreal and New England they played each other in the opening weekend Thierry Henry is got off to a decent start they got through the first round with the CONCACAF Champions League they beat New England a team that did spend some money in the offseason behind uh, Bruce Arena one of the best coaches in Major League Soccer history let's begin with Montreal Thierry Henry's doing well and then they go out this past week and they sign uh, Victor Wyama from Tottenham at to a DP deal. What's the ceiling with this impact team? I still don't think it's very high. I still think that they're, um, 
at a talent deficit in, in most of these games. And Henri has done a good job of, of mitigating that by, by playing, um, I guess, whatever we'll call it a, a French Quebecois version of Catanaccio, putting a lot of numbers behind the ball, five at the back um, and playing super direct uh, using some of the, they have some great athletes on the wings and in attack. So, he's he's done well with that and and Wanyama look we all know his resume he he was a very very good EPL player for a good long while but there are massive questions about his knees I you don't know if he could cover any sort of ground like he used to and if that's the case then how effective is he going to be uh, in major league soccer I think that's a very open question it seems to me like a very risky signing i mean i understand why they did it um but there's some significant downside here so to me uh, look Henri's done the right thing but this isn't a one-year fix with this team or honestly the club like the montreal has been chopping change and lacking an identity their entire mls existence they got to get out of his way for three or four years and say fix us Give us something to build, you know, give us some bedrock foundation and we can go from there. So, Matt, it sounds like you think that at best this team, this Montreal team is maybe a sixth or a, a seventh seed in the Eastern Conference. At best, yeah. I, I, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, um, but, you know, strange things can happen. <laughs> now, I, I guess another team I want to talk about here, and this is probably an overreaction. It's week one, match day one here, so... Uh, take a lot of this with a grain of salt, but uh, the Portland Timbers did not look very, uh, they didn't look great defensively Sunday night at home against Minnesota United. What did you make of their performance and should Timbers fans be worried one weekend? Um, you don't get worried off of one week, even when, to be frank, it was a six pointer at home and they lost it. Um, but I think the worry stems from this seemed like a continuation of how the Timbers played at the at home at the end of last year. And they don't seem to have new ideas. You know, they went out and they, they spent $12 million on new players this off season. And they're still just banging it, like sending both fullbacks way upfield and banging in and cross after cross after cross, leaving themselves completely exposed on the counterattack. Um, it wasn't great, but over the years, this is what Portland has tended to do. They, come out and they say, we're going to play, you know, exciting front foot possession, attacking soccer. And after six weeks, they realize they can't do it. And they just drop back into being a counterattacking team. And that is usually enough for them to make the playoffs. So I don't think it's panic time yet, but I don't think there's much reason to hold out much hope that they're suddenly going to figure out how to, how to be a, an attractive possession team. To me, this is like just inevitable. They're going to go back to being a counterattacking team. And and Matt, let's talk a little uh, CONCACAF Champions League here. It, is this the year? Is this the year MLS finally gets <laughs> over the hump? I don't want to. I don't want to do the cliche. Has MLS closed the gap on League MX? I don't want to do that. I guess we'll we'll leave that cliche out. But is this the year that uh, MLS finally gets over the hump? I don't. I I don't think so. Um, you know, maybe if Joseph hadn't got like, look, if Joseph hadn't gotten hurt, I was going to pick Atlanta to beat Club America. And if that had happened, then you have enough talent in the mix 
with, with them and LAFC and NYCFC to say, okay, you know what, this might be the year. But the the Liga MX, the Liga MX teams are still favored. It's just how it's going to be until MLS teams consistently prove otherwise. Um, LAFC definitely have a chance. Nobody would be shocked if they beat Cruz Azul. If they beat Cruz Azul, they meet Club America most likely in the semifinals. Nobody would be shocked if they beat Club America. If they make the finals, it's likely Tigres, maybe NYCFC. But if it's Tigres, okay, like in a one-off, nobody would be that shocked if LAFC beat Tigres. But we're talking about this team going on a run where they beat Leon, Cruz Azul, Club America, and Tigres. Back to back to back to back. That's insane. Like that is, if they do that, then right. then like they will be allowed to crow about it till the end of days. They have the talent to do it, but it just seems so unlikely to me. So I, I will, I will predict no. This is no. not the year it happens for an MLS team. Out of all the clubs mm. remaining, I know LFC have the biggest mountain to climb, but they have the talent to do so, and it would be kind of an LAFC thing to do. Right off the the bad voodoo they got in the playoffs last year, and go out and do something mm-hmm. that no MLS team has done, and why not put a why not Bob Bradley put a chip on Carlos Vela to go go out there and, and just you know prove it even further to to everybody in North America and Europe and whatever you you want to say to it. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, and it, I'm sure that is a button that Bob is trying to to push and given how Vela played in that second leg against Leon and how he, you know, the goal he scored this weekend against Mm -hmm. Miami, which was obscene, um, you know, he has the talent to do it. And Diego Rossi has been very good as well. And I've like, I I recognize his talent, but I haven't always been the biggest Diego Rossi fan early in the season. He looks to have turned a corner to me in terms of how much responsibility he's taking on the field for in terms of like being brave about taking the ball in tough spots and working for his teammates they they could do it but again it's just such a like you you've heard that gauntlet of teams they would have to be um if they do then there's no question they are the greatest team in mls history and i'm sure that that is something that bob has mentioned to them mm-hmm. as well oh i agree yeah a lot of pressure I guess uh, on LAFC, they kind of almost feels like they're carrying the weight of uh, MLS in this next round of CONCACAF Champions League. Because I think, yeah, like we've stated, there's a good chance that LAFC might be the last team or the last MLS team standing here yeah. after this next round is all said and done. <laughs> Although I do think it's crazy. One one last thought here before we let you go here. I do think it's crazy that there's also like an outside chance, too, that the impact could also just be the last remaining MLS team, just given the the other three matchups. And I think they get to play Olympia while everybody else gets to face these Liga MX teams. I, I think it, I think you know two or three weeks from now we'd be talking. Okay, uh, can Montreal Impact run the table here and win a, right. win a Concacaf Champions League? Which is like I said, it's just it's uh, it's funny to me. But uh, Matt, thanks again for joining us tonight. Uh, please tell our listeners where we can find your work and where we can follow you on Twitter. Yeah, MLSsoccer.com for complete coverage of everything. And uh, on Twitter, it's at Matt Doyle seventy six. Uh, feel free to shout at me about anything, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll mute liberally. So, <laughs> <laughs> Great. Matt, have a great night. Thanks again. Take care, guys. It was a pleasure being on.
Thanks again to Matt Doyle. Please check out what he's got on Twitter at MLSsoccer.com. His coverage is great. His insights are fantastic. Um, Jake, I do disagree. I think he's underselling Montreal just a little bit. I think Thierry Henry is a decent selling point. Maybe the players have a little bit of life underneath them. And signing somebody like a Victor Wayama, who has a pretty prestigious uh, career, obviously playing at Tottenham, was with a club that just made the Champions League final. It's a solid move. It gets the eyeballs in the locker room. I think it, it puts everybody in that Montreal locker room. Uh, there's a little more excitement when you show up to work every morning, I think. And knowing that you have a coach like Thierry Henry bringing in the players that they brought in, I think Montreal could be a, a playoff team. I, I think they, they could really sneak into that 6 or 7 seed. I'm also wondering... To see, I also wonder what their CONCACAF Champions League record will be. Well, like like I said, I mean, there's a good chance they're the, they're the last remaining MLS team when this next round is all said and done. I, I tend to agree with you. I do think that he is slightly underselling them. Not so much. Like when he says 6-7 is like the, the seeding for them is the, is the ceiling. I think it's maybe a little bit higher. I think it's maybe... Maybe the fifth seed, like again, you're splitting hairs here at this point, if you're me. Uh, I think maybe the fifth seed is probably their ceiling. Uh, I also wouldn't be surprised if we're talking about Montreal six months from now, and it's like, hey, they're uh, they're 12th in the East. And I'd go, yeah, well, it's Montreal Impact. Well, so, I mean, Thierry Henry could have the FU award midseason and then collapse. Like, he could, uh, Well, he could do his best Monaco. He could do his best Thierry Henry at Monaco uh, impression. Or no, no, Brad Friedel at New England type deal decent start momentum and then just fall into a pit of loss oblivion Obl- yeah uh, just ugliness anyway listeners we want to get to one last thing and it's regarding tottenham player eric dyer who stormed the, the stands following spurs fa cup exit I'm reading from uh, reading from Gold.com. Jose Mourinho has criticized Eric Dyer after the Tottenham player confronted a fan because of a, a family insult during Spurs FA Cup fifth round exit to Norwich. Now, Jake, we do have audio, and I want to quickly play. Relax. I mean, this is just madness. This is nuts. Listeners, if, just go watch watch the video. He storms up, and, and fans are just confused by it. Like, holy crap, that's that's Eric Dyer. I'm confused about it because the person he's confronting is a good 20 to 30 rows up. So how did he know this fan or this person or who, whoever is yelling – obscenities at me and my family while he's on the field. I, well, like, and how did he identify that, that person and all that stuff? It's, 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 it's confusing uh, to me. So when but it also has nothing on Ron Artest and Malice in the Palace. I'm just saying that as well. <laughs> I was just going to bring that up. Justin Mourinho explained that his player was emotional during the post-match interview. I've been reading a few articles. I think we'll get more details as the hours roll along. We're recording this Wednesday evening. So the news is still rather fresh. Um, but I did see on Twitter, now take this with a massive grain of salt, Joseph Mourinho I think went to the board 
and asked uh, whether or not or asked them to suspend Eric Dyer for one match but not both matches and they have matches in the Premier League and then Champions League hmm so that's a bit strange if I were Jose Mourinho I'd just suspend him for the Premier League game and then you know ask for forgiveness later and see if you can get him to play for the Champions League game but that was just something that was on Twitter that I saw so who knows but my goodness, he apparently said the family was there. His younger brother wasn't happy with the situation. I don't know. This seems a lot of he said, she said type stuff, and I don't know how much information I'm going to get out in the following days. Yeah, it's a little confusing to me. Like I said, there are there are things about it that are confusing to me. Like how did he how, – how is he hearing anything from, from somebody 30 rows up in the stands, and how is he able to identify them And unless they're sitting next to his family, and that's how – I'm not sure. But uh, it uh, – like I said – a little bit reminiscent of Ron Artest and Malice at the Palace. Uh, a lot less violent than Ron Artest at Malice in the Palace. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this whole thing unfolds here as we get more information as it comes out in the well, coming days. Alrighty, we'll see what happens. This is a, was a fascinating story to see unfold live, Jake, as I'm sitting at my office chair reading the news. And uh, some strange stuff happening in England. Tottenham bowing out of the FA Cup. Not The English team's looking terrible in the Champions League. And then Liverpool losing in the FA Cup, losing their perfect season in the Premier League, and then a few weeks ago losing the Atletico they've, in the Champions League. They've lost three of their last four, if I'm not mistaken. And since that letter sent by that little boy demanding that Liverpool lose a little more. And then, yep. Wow. Crazy stuff. Anyway, listeners, hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review. Follow us at Pod. Send in your thoughts, your comments. We'll be back Monday morning. No live show Sunday, but we'll be back Monday morning with another fantastic episode talking, covering the latest in American soccer. Until next time.